Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you've given us such a rich deposit, a good deposit of your word. And so I pray, just as I didn't want to go through the motions with the communion, I pray that we don't just switch off and go through the motions this morning now as we come to your word. As it wasn't about the bread, it was about the body of Jesus broken. We just declare this morning, it's not about my voice or my words, it's about the word of your spirit to us this morning. And so, Father, I pray that we would be empowered with grace by your spirit to to focus in on what you were saying through your word this morning and that it would transform and change us and encourage us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, so it's a, it's a joy to be back um, with the church family after having a Sunday off last week. I've been away with my biological family and so um, our three boys got to see every single one of their cousins uh, on that trip and, um, and so that was exciting um, for them and, uh, and, and good and exciting and perhaps a little bit tiring for Christy and I um, considering there's many hours of travel involved in doing that. But it's great to be back with the church family and a lot of people were away I hear last week and uh, Steve, Steve shared a great message from the heart last Sunday, I've listened to the recording of that and so if you missed last Sunday, I want to encourage you, you, you can listen to it on Facebook thanks to Carl or um, we can get you, we can copy a CD for you, um, so if you want a CD of the message, talk to Carl and he's, he's sorting that out as well, um, Carl's doing lots of stuff um, and so it's a blessing to have in the church. Um, but I encourage you to, to get a hold of Steve's message one way or another and have a listen to it. It's only 30 minutes um, and it's just encouraging to listen to. Uh, and so we travelled quite a bit and I was going to come back via train so Christy could spend a few extra days in Sydney but as we talked about that we realised that I'd be doing an overnight train trip just to have one extra day in Yass to work in the office and I thought well that's a bit silly and then it means Christy needs to drive back by herself with the boys then so I thought why don't I spend that day where I'm not on leave uh, in Richmond where Christy's parents live where we were staying and I'll just go to the library and a cafe and, and do some work there and so um, I, I checked into Richmond Library on Tuesday and, and found a great, great desk space to myself and it was nice and quiet and, and, and did a fair bit of work on preparing this message this morning and then the caffeine need kicked in and so I thought I'll go and find a cafe and there was this cafe, it's called the Ugly Mug in Richmond, um, I thought it suited me well, um, I thought I was the kind of clientele they'd be looking for with that name uh, and they've got two sections, they've got the main cafe section and they've obviously done well so across the other side of the arcade they've just bought another room which is just seating for their cafe and so it was later in the afternoon, there wasn't many, and there was one kind of person in there so I thought I'll sit in there, I'll order my coffee and I'll be able to quietly get some work done on my message. A couple of minutes later some, some excited women who were having what seemed like the first kid free time they've had in a long time uh, also sat at the desk, the table, wasn't a desk, they saw it as a coffee table, not a desk for some reason and they sat next to me in this cafe, it was four o'clock and this cafe finishes serving food at 3.30 um, but this one of the ladies hadn't eaten all day and so they ordered coffee and she said to the waiter, is there any chance I can have something to eat? And he said, well, we've got cake. But she, she kind of, okay, but I really need, I want a toasted sandwich. He said, there's no chance that you can get a toasted sandwich here, sorry. And so he went off and ordered, got the coffees ready and brought the coffees out. And she said again, is there, you sure there is no way that I can get a toasted sandwich? What are the chances of that? And he said, there is absolutely no chance. And, and she said, what if I spoke to the owner or the manager? And he said, oh, no, that's, that's not going to happen. And she said, well, well is, is she a mean person? Oh, no, no, it's just we have this strict, after 3.30, we do not serve food. 
um, cooked food. And she said, well, she, she still didn't give up. She said, I want to speak to the manager. She, she was not cranky. She was fun and bubbly and, and, and enjoying the process. And so the, the, the waiter goes and gets the manager and, and the manager comes out with the waiter and, and, and she kind of butters up the manager by saying, I just want to say that your staff member here is amazing. He's taking care of every need we have. And I just want to check, what are the chances of me getting a toasted sandwich? And the manager thought, oh, I don't know. And she's like, and this lady said, I haven't eaten all day. I've, I've been working hard and um, I work in the sales sector so I know what it's like but I've been working and I haven't eaten all day. Um, and what are the chances of me getting a toasted sandwich? And, and the manager at this point said, what do you want on it? How about a ham, cheese and toasted sandwich? I ha- it'll take a little while, I've got to turn the grill back on, it'll, it'll take about half an hour but, but what about a toasted sandwich? And she said, that'd be lovely and the manager said, it'll cost you a five-star Facebook review. Um, and and so she said okay and and, and the point I want us to grab from that story is I didn't get much of my sermon prepared in that time but but what I want us to grab from that story is persistence pays off she she was not satisfied with the menu saying no food after 3.30 she was not satisfied uh, or she did not even give up when the waiter said, there is absolutely no chance you will get food. She didn't give up the second time he said, there's absolutely no chance you'd get food. She didn't give up when the waiter said, there is no way, even if you speak to the manager, that you'll get food. She didn't give up when the manager first said, oh, no, we don't do food after 3.30. She kept on pressing in. She kept on pressing forward with persistence, and it paid off. She got her toasted sandwich and she was very happy. She was very excited and only then did she notice that I was at my computer and she said, oh, sorry, you're probably trying to get some work done. Um, and I said, well, I'm actually preparing a sermon and um, I didn't, didn't mention to her that her, her toasted sandwich story would become the introduction um, <laughs> to the sermon. But, um, but persistence pays off. And so this morning, really this is what I want us to grab as a church, is, is the center verse of what Alex read for us. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so what I say, want to say to this church family is we're doing good. We're we're growing enormously in the ways that we're reaching out and inviting the community in. And I'm not saying there's never areas to improve or different things that we can do and and, and stuff, but but as a church here in Yass, we're we're doing good. And as individuals, as, as people in Yass, we're doing well and people are connecting in relationship with others and, and there's conversations about Jesus happening in our lives with others. And so I want to encourage the church not to grow tired, not to grow weary in doing good, but to keep going. Because we will reap a harvest. Just as the lady who refused to accept that the reason that she didn't have a toasted sandwich and that was going to stay that way, persistence paid off for her. If we don't give up, if we refuse to become tired and weary in doing good, our persistence will pay off and we will reap a harvest. And so the context in which Paul says this is, is kind of the end of Galatians. And so if you read through one of Paul's letters, it's, it's really structured 
comments to the people he's writing it to. And then at the end, he's got this whole bunch of, of stuff just to say and encourage them that's mostly connected to what he said, but he fires it off really quickly. And so this is one of those segments at the end of Galatians. And, and throughout Galatians, Paul's been articulating to the church in Galatia that, that our salvation is by grace and not by works. Um, but he also says that our good works flow out of God's grace. And so here he's talking about the doing stuff. And so as we'll explore in our grace series, that, that, that grace means that we are accepted and loved completely without any performance requirements. But grace empowers us to perform for God. And so here Paul's talking about the doing stuff, and he says what we do will still matter. And so the immediate context of, of Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, is, is Paul talking about sowing and reaping. And so we live in an agricultural community, but since Lois and Dacre and, and um, the Merrimans are not here this morning, none of us are, are actually farming unless you count gardens. Um, but we still kind of have a concept of what it means to sow and to reap. And so in verse 7 and 8, Paul says, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A person reaps what they sow. The one who sows to please his flesh... From that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from that nature will reap eternal life. And so here Paul's using a common biblical metaphor for, for the, really the law of cause and effect. Sowing is a metaphor for our actions, our behaviors, what we invest into in life. And reaping is a metaphor for the consequences or the outcomes of that behaviors, what return we get from them. And so here Paul is really asking the question, what will you choose to invest into? So you can only get a dividend, if we're thinking of stock markets or investing into business, you can only get a dividend, you can only get a payout from something that you invest into. You can't get a payout from Apple if you invest into Telstra. You can't get a payout from BHP if you invest into 6-8 Coffee in town though you know the, the stocks might be on the rise there it's hard to get into that i guess but but you can only get a payout from the the, the company that you choose to invest into and, and you can only get a payout in life and in in eternity as paul's saying from what you choose to invest into from what you choose to sow into and paul says there's two kinds of investments that you can make this is a, a binary thing. There's, there's, there's only the option of investing into the flesh or investing into the spirit. Uh, as I was reading through my notes this morning, it kind of reminded me of Yoda's words um, in, in uh, the, the first of the Star Wars, New Hope, or I think it's the first one, where, where he says, there is no try, there is only do or do not. And so throughout the scriptures, and especially the New Testament, you'll see that, that our faith, that the kingdom of God is, is, is a binary thing. It's either of God or not. There's very little gray area in between. And so Paul says you can invest into the flesh. You can sow into the flesh. And, and some translations here say sinful nature. And that's what Alex read this morning. And it's actually what my NIV translation says. But I choose not to read it that way. Because the, the Greek word here is sarx, which means flesh. And so if we narrow this word down to sinful nature, we can start to think that, 
investing into the kingdom of God is simply about not sinning. But the the meaning of this is broader. Paul is not saying you can invest into sin or into the spirit. He's saying you can invest into your flesh, into your own carnal nature, into your own wants, your own needs, your own desires. You can invest selfishly or you can invest into the spirit. And so when we make that just about sin... It narrows the focus, but Paul is saying there is investing into selfish who you are or investing into the Spirit, sowing to please God, flowing, following the leading of the Spirit. And just to get a, a sense of the, the nature of the polar opposites of what this is, if we jump back to Galatians chapter 5 in verse 16... Sorry, sorry, verse 19, Paul gives us an idea of what investing into the flesh looks like. It says, the acts of the flesh, which some of your translations might say sinful nature there, it's the same word, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of right, selfish ambition. And so some of us might, might be thinking, I'm doing pretty good until we get up to selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envies, drunkenness, orgies and the like. If you warn, I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And, and so Paul is saying that that's the kind of thing that the flesh invests into. And now some of those things we might think, well, I'm nothing like that, but, but others, selfish ambition... And and this is not meant to be an exhaustive list. There's other things in that that shape the obvious nature of investing into the flesh. But but Paul also paints a picture of, of the spirit kind of life. In verse 22, he says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things there is no law. And so Paul says there's two kinds of investments that we can make into our flesh selfishly or into the kingdom of God, into the Spirit, being governed by the Spirit. And these two kinds of investments, this this binary investment structure, has two kinds of harvest that we can reap. Paul says, if we sow to the flesh, we'll reap destruction or corruption. And that's the irony that if we sow to ourself, if we sow to build up ourself, to enrich ourself, what we actually reap is corruption of ourself and destruction of ourself. But if we sow to the, flip, the Spirit, we'll reap life, and not just life, eternal life. We'll reap salvation. And, and so this word in the Scriptures, this word of harvesting, of reaping, is, is, is saturated with meaning around salvation. Harvest isn't just a reference to grain, it's not just a, a reference to financial blessing, it's a reference to the salvation of ourselves and the salvation of others. And so if we sow to the Spirit, what we reap is eternal life and not just for ourselves, but for others. And our, and our, our sowing and reaping, Paul says elsewhere, is a proportional thing. In 2 Corinthians 9.6 he says, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And of course, if we sow nothing, what will we reap? Nothing. If you don't sow anything into the soil, you reap nothing. 
And so the context of Paul's exhortation to the church to not give up in doing good is this context of reaping and sowing, of this investing and receiving a dividend from what we sow into. And so Paul is, is talking about what do you sow in life? What do you sow into your church family? What do you sow into your local community? Because that will largely de- determine the outcome you get from it, the harvest you get from it. And so we can choose to, sh- to sow selfishly into our own flesh or we can sow into the things of the Spirit. And the outcomes, the harvest are very different. And so it's in this context, this, this idea of sowing into different realms that Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. And so doing good is about the kind of sowing that we're called to do. Doing good, Paul's not jumping on to another topic here. He, he's, he's talking about the good things that we do is sowing into the Spirit. That's, that's what he's talking about here. And so the fact that Paul mentions weariness here suggests that we're likely in our natural strength, in our own strength, to grow weary. Carl talked about it this morning. He, 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 he and Alex have stepped out into to sowing good and, and, and creating opportunities for our community to have positive community interactions, but he got weary at the end of his tether. And, and so the fact that Paul's mentioning that suggests that what Carl and Alex experienced then is not an aberration. And, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident in saying that most of us here that have sought to sow good, to, to sow into the Spirit, to invest positively into the lives of others that there's been a time in your life where you've grown weary where there's been setbacks or or barren times or even persecution in response to trying to sow good into the world and and so paul's hinting that that's that's going to be a common experience there's times and none of our farmers are here this morning but there's times when when a farmer will sow seed with the hope of a harvest and the rain will happen at the wrong time or the sun will happen at the wrong time or there won't be any rain at all and, and there will not be the harvest they'd hoped for. And the same is true in our, in our sowing spiritually and sowing naturally good into the world around us. We can't expect a harvest but there'll be times where we don't immediately or don't in that season reap the harvest that we were hoping for. And that's discouraging. That causes us to to grow weary. Or perhaps it's just a long time of sowing before you see any fruit coming from that and that will cause us to grow weary. And so in this context, in this acknowledgement that weariness in sowing good into the world and sowing good into the church and sowing good into our local community, sowing good into our own lives, this acknowledgement that weariness is part of life with that, Paul says... Don't give up. Keep going no matter how hard it gets. Keep sowing good seed. It reminds me of, of Psalm 125 verse 6. That's, that's a psalm of celebration when um, the, the Israelites are returning to the promised land after their exile. And, and, and they, someone amongst them pens this song of praise to God. And so in Psalm 120, 
6 verse 5 and 6 it says those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy those who go out weeping carrying seed to sow will return with songs of joy carrying sheaves with them and so there will perhaps be seasons in your life where we're going out to sow seed going out to invest good into your church into your family into your local community into the world around us will be something that brings you to tears that you're, that you're discouraged or weary. Uh, but the Scriptures encourage us that, that if we sow in tears, if we choose to faithfully continue to sow good, even when we're weary and don't feel like it, then there will be a return of a harvest. Those who go out weeping will return with songs of joy. Those who go out in tears carrying seed will return with sheaves in harvest. And so though, though weariness is to be expected, Paul says, don't give up doing good. Recently, I read a book called Grit, um, which psychologists are discovering in their explanation, exploration of what makes a person successful in life, that grit, or the word I used to read about it, stick to the ability to stick at something, is the greatest predictor of success in life. Not someone's intelligence quota, uh, not someone's upbringing, though, though those things all have a, an input into it. The greatest determinant of success in life is grit, your ability to say, I'm going to keep going, no matter how weary I get, no matter how much I feel like giving up. And so thousands of years before psychologists cottoned on to the fact, Paul is saying, don't give up, you will reap a harvest. Relentless greediness to sowing good will pay off. Persistence will pay off. Doing good will pay off. And this is more than just being nice to people. This is sowing those things of the Spirit into our community. This is loving people. This is celebrating joy with people. This is giving. This is investing into. This is sowing the seed of the gospel into people's lives. This is coming alongside people in their hour of need and saying, I'll walk with you. This is more than just let's try and be nice. But if relentless grittiness to sowing good into the world, to our local community, will pay off. And so again, I want to commend the church that we're doing good. We're doing good. I love this church. I love you and it's exciting to see this church rise up and, 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 and sow more and more into the community and, and hearing people with passion for we could do this or, or just hearing the individual stories of people connecting with their local community and investing in or, or investing into the life of the church. We're doing good. And I want to encourage the church to not give up, to keep going. Let us not grow weary in doing good. Persistence will pay off. And as Paul promises in the Word, the harvest will come. The fullness of verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And so as I've said, this, this idea of harvest in biblical terms is, is saturated with salvation meaning. 
This verse firstly points us to our own salvation, that if you're relentless in doing good, if you're gritty in doing good, if you're persistent in doing good, you can be assured of your own salvation. Not that we, we earn our salvation by doing good, but, but that if we're staying in the Father's will at all costs, we can have that confident hope to lead us forward, that we will end our existence in eternal life with Jesus. But it also speaks of the salvation of others. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 37, Paul, Jesus is outside the village in Samaria and, and he looks around and there's a crowd of people and, and he says, the, the field, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will raise up more workers. And, and, and so Jesus speaks of harvest of not just personal salvation, but of the salvation of many people of the reaping of many people into an eternal life with Jesus. And so we, we can be confident that if we don't go give up, if we're persistent in doing good in the life of our church and in the life of our friends and family and especially in the life of our local community, we will see a harvest as a church. We will see people saved if we just don't give up. We will see many people, I believe, come to faith if we just keep going. And nothing can stand against that. We're not governed by the statistical decline of the church in the Western world. We are not governed by the rise of secularism or alternative spirituality or Islam or Buddhism in our own country. We are not governed by any of those things. We are governed by the Lord and His Word which says a harvest will come at the proper time if we simply don't give up sowing good. And so again, Yas Community Baptist Church, I want to say you're doing so good. You are go going out, you are growing in expressing good works and so let us not grow weary, let us not give up. Let us continue to sow generously into our church and local community. The persistence will pay off and we will reap a harvest at the proper time. And so finally, Paul says, and it's great for a preacher when the, the Bible passage gives you the conclusion for you. Paul says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, which both means as we still have time left, life is short. You don't get a, another one except for eternal life where you will not have this opportunity to sow good. As we have opportunity, let's use that time to sow good. But it also means let's take every single opportunity that we have. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And so I want to say opportunities abound. We're still here. If you're here this morning, it means you're living and breathing. And so your opportunity to sow good into the world has not been cut off yet. And in our local community, I want to tell you that opportunities abound. In our own town, there are six and a half thousand people. In our local council area, uh, for those that that matters to, maybe Michael and, and, and a few others, but there are 16,000 
142 people based on last year's census. Now, there are six churches in Yass, and if we were optimistic to say there was 100 in each every Sunday, that leaves 6,000 people who I believe in our local town, not talking the council area, 6,000 people who I believe if Jesus stood here embodied this morning would look out upon that town and say, the harvest is plentiful. The question is, are the workers few? The harvest is plentiful in Yass. There is no lack of opportunity for us to be sowing the good seed into our local community. What would it look like for the number of people in our local town in Yass who, who were not just ticking a box on a census to say they were Christian but, but actively engaged in their faith to, to be 10%? A thousand people in Yass. What would it look like for that to be 15, 20, 50%? See, sometimes I hear people say, that, oh, there are a lot of churches in Yass and I would say there's not enough for 6,000 people to worship in. And that should be our goal. We are not short of opportunity for harvest in us. We simply need to keep going, to not give up, to refuse to relent at doing good. And so I was, I'm going to invite our worship team to come and, 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 and finish up. But I want to I leave you with some questions to ask if you, if you want. Well, who? Who am I sowing good into? Well, simply the first question to ask is, who do you know that doesn't know Jesus? And if you don't know anybody that doesn't know Jesus, I'll introduce you to some people who don't know Jesus. Because I'm sure all of us have people we don't know Jesus. And so the next question I want to ask is, who are you praying for? Or maybe who are you going to start praying for that doesn't know Jesus that they would come to know Jesus? Opportunities abound. Who are you loving and leading towards Jesus? Who are you intentionally investing into, sowing into, in the hope, not with strings attached, but in the hope that they'll find their salvation in Jesus? How are you doing this? How do you need to do this in the future? And as Paul says, especially the community of believers... How are you expressing love and practical good deeds amongst the church family? There's plenty of opportunities for that. If you can't see any, come and talk to me and I'll let you know some. So church, you're doing good. You're doing really good. I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of us. But let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Let me pray and then let's worship together in song one final time this morning. And so, Father, I thank you for the word in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. We thank you for your promise of a harvest that awaits us personally in eternal life. And we thank you for the promise of a harvest of salvation amongst our local community. And so I pray simply this morning, Father, that by your Spirit you give us encouragement, that you give us strength, that you give us the, uh, the words to encourage one another, that we would not grow weary, that we would continue to do good 
to sow of the Spirit into the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.